What is up and welcome to a new episode of Draft is in Session. We have a very, very special guest in the house. One of the best in the industry, Robert Mays from the Athletic Football Show joining us today. Rob, what's going on, brother? Uh, not too much. It's very nice of you to say. I appreciate that. That's not true, but I, I appreciate you saying it nonetheless. Well, that's BS, man. I, You know, nothing great in life is achieved without enthusiasm. And you get me super excited for just <laughs> player comps and everyone you're looking for and just nerding out on players. The football nerd community loves you, bro. So it's just an <laughs> honor to have you out here. It's going to be a fun episode. We're going to be talking about the Rams and Chargers off seasons. Going to some of the QBs you may like. And then I got to talk about your Chicago Bears, man. We got to see what is the state of the Bears moving forward. New coach, new regime, fields year two. It's going to be interesting to kind of see where they're looking to go in the future. Um, Maze, I want to start off with the Chargers. And this is a team that before the offseason even happened, I go, if I were to pick a Super Bowl dark horse next year, they've got the toughest piece of the puzzle to find with a guy like Justin Herbert, a guy that has the chance to be a top five, top three quarterback in the NFL next year, the way we've seen his progressions, um, the way that they've been drafting, you know, the last four of the five last drafts, you're talking Derwin James, Boza, Slater, and Herbert. Those are just the first round picks. Um, some talented playmakers there. And then the offseason occurs. They bring back Mike Williams, uh, three-year, $60 million deal, $40 million guaranteed. They get J.C. Jackson, who had 25 picks in his last three seasons, which is Ball hawk isn't even the word from that. I think we got to find a new word, maybe like a ball eagle or something like that. And then Khalil Mack coming from your Chicago Bears trade for a second and six rounder. It really seems like this team is a contender for the Super Bowl coming next year if they can put all the pieces together. Um, Maze, how are you feeling about the Chargers moving forward? I know you've spoken to them at lengths on your show. Uh, do you really see them as a team that could you know, possibly make it out of the AFC next year if everything goes to plan? Sure. I mean, they don't have many holes when you look at their roster. And I think that you walking into this off season, they had a ton of resources and flexibility. I mean, that's the benefit of having one of the best quarterbacks in the league on a $7 million deal. I mean, you can do a lot of different things. And I think that drove a lot of the enthusiasm that people had for what they might look like at the end of this process. And last year they went out and got a couple offensive linemen. They did a decent amount of work at that position. They still have those three guys that they went out and found and Brandon Filer, Rashawn Slater, Corey Winsley. They still need a right tackle. But other than that, I mean, they still have, you look at the defense and, and you, you mentioned two guys and Joey Bosa and Derwin James, and obviously they have star level players on defense, but the word we use on our show all the time is connective tissue. What was the connective tissue of the defense and what did that look like? And when you look at positions like interior defensive line, there's just no depth there. There were no guys that they could rely on. They didn't have pieces there that found form the foundation of what they wanted to be defensively to go out and get guys like Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph day. I mean, beyond the star power of guys like Khalil Mack and JC Jackson, there's aren't that many holes on their roster right now. You think that they probably would love a little more help at corner. They probably love more speed at receiver and they need a right tackle. Like those are the three things that I would point out right now that, all right, what could really finish this thing off? Obviously they don't have a second round pick to work with, but if they could find a receiver or a tackle in the first round and if kind of figure out the final couple pieces of this, I absolutely think they're in that conversation in the AFC. What is up, LAFB fans? This is Will Decker, host of the Bruin Bible and Draft is in session with Jamal Madney. We got a special new sponsor coming to you live for LAFB, and that is Bet Online. Uh, they're going to be taking care of all my needs for NBA playoffs coming up. 
and the MLB season starting up this Thursday. Uh, sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit for Bet Online at betonline.ag. Promo code LAFB to get started. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Who doesn't love those? I'm a roulette guy myself. It's super easy to get started. So join today. Learn why everyone is using Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, back to the. Yeah, and just the AFC West as a whole. I mean, is this the most competitive division you've ever seen as a fan of football? Because, you know, the Chiefs took a little bit of a step back with the Tyree Kill trade. I don't know if I agreed with that uh, philosophically, but, you know, the Raiders upgraded. The Broncos, you know, we've been talking for a couple of years. If they could just get a quarterback in there, they can make something happen. Russell Wilson is now there for the Denver Broncos. This is the most competitive team, uh, division you've ever seen as a fan of football. I'd have to go back and think about it. I mean, there were some stretches where the NFC West was pretty damn good in like the 2013, 14, 15 range when the Niners and the Seahawks were competing for that division every single year when Carson Palmer, I mean, that 2015 Cardinals team, I guess they were, by then the Niners started to fall off a little bit. So the NFC West back then was really good. I mean, there have been years where the AFC North has been pretty good and like the early 2010s range you know, like mid 2010s so I, without like actually thinking about it it's hard to say but the quarterback play drives this right and the quarterback play is what kind of lifts the floor of all of these teams and when the worst quarterback in your division is Derek Carr you're doing pretty good so I absolutely think they're probably in the conversation yeah and in terms of connective tissue to kind of go back Khalil Mack is going to be connecting with you know Brandon Staley a guy that he had his most productive year with the Bears there you're our Bears expert around town tell us about Khalil Mack man and what he could potentially bring to this defense because Boza you know he was you know the, the offensive game plan for instance last year was just to kind of take away Boza and the pass rush was just you know not great for the Chargers you know as a whole, you add a, another edge rusher with the ability that Cleo Mack has, a former defensive player of the year, a guy that can be disruptive if he's healthy. I mean, played seven games last year. He still had six sacks. He was still doing something right there. What does Cleo Mack bring to this Chargers defense that they didn't have? I mean, he's at his best. He's still one of the best pass rushers in the league. I think that is part of it. The physicality, too, in the run game. I mean, not only that he's a guy who can get you double-digit sacks and has in the past, but what he brings down in and down out and just the mindset, all that. I mean, it just felt like they needed to really have a shift in who they were defensively attitude, all of those things that are hard to define. And he gives you that. I mean, he is somebody that's going to be a presence in that locker room and affect other players uh, on that side of the ball. And I think that's exactly what they needed up front, no matter what position that guy happened to play. Awesome. Well, I want to move on to the Rams defending champs. They lose Von Miller, but they surprisingly get Bobby Wagner, who for my money is the best linebacker there's been in the NFL since Ray Lewis, you know, in terms of against the run defense, the craziest stat that I've seen about him in terms of PFF uh, coming into last year, he had more grades above 90 than below 80 uh, as a linebacker against the run defense. He is a special talent when it comes to that great leader, things like that. And now when you put it all together, they got Aaron Donald, 
are like the best defensive lineman in football, hands down. You got Wagner, you know, people are calling it a drop off. He made, you know, second team all pro last year. This guy can still ball. And you still got Ramsey out in the secondary. Um, it's a different guy to get than Vaughn as Vaughn, you know, generates pressures. But what does Bobby Wagner bring to this team? Because I think Rams fans are really excited and just kind of wondering what we can expect from a guy like Wagner. I think that Les Need put it in a fun way when he was talking about it, that this team doesn't normally spend on off-ball linebackers. But when you have somebody like Bobby Wagner, the person, and sort of the influence he can have on an entire defense, maybe you shift your thinking on that. And I think just everything that Bobby Wagner has seen, the between the ears sort of stuff, the presence that he'll be for that group, it's really hard to calculate what that can be for a defense. And I think that's exactly what he's going to be. And, you know, that initial contract that was reported is that's a lot of money. Obviously that's not, those aren't the real details of the contract. I mean, it's $10 million guaranteed. It's a little easier to stomach for a guy that is on the wrong side of 30 and probably is on the downside of his career. But I do think that some of the intangible aspects of what he can bring you can't be overlooked there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Whitworth retires. I think it's, you know, under talked about just how much of a freak that guy was in terms of playing left tackle at his age, holding up guys that were like 25, 26 when he was like into his late 30s, into his 40s. So special talent there. But they bring in Nopum, who, you know, they've been developing at left tackle. This is a guy they really believe in, you know, hence the contract they gave him 25 million guaranteed, 47 million over the next three years. Brian Allen, the center prospect, is a guy that I think they're very intrigued with, um, you know, bringing him back. And then you get Allen Robinson, the Bears wide receiver that came from Chicago and Jacksonville. And you just look at the list of quarterbacks this guy's had, and, you know, he just hasn't had a lot of talent there in the quarterback room. I mean, Fields is yet to be determined. I'm excited to see how he progresses, but that's still a rookie quarterback at the end of the day. He comes in with Matt Stafford, now a guy who's beaming with confidence, just got his first Super Bowl win, a guy that can air it out. What can uh, what can the Rams faithful expect from a guy like Allen Robinson and the talent level he'll bring to the wide receiver room with Cooper Cup? It's very the the pairing there and how they complement each other is is fun. And I mean, Allen Robinson is somebody that he's a contested catch monster, and Matthew Stafford is not afraid <laughs> to try to fit balls in there. And I think that pairing, I mean, think about what Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay were like together. And when yeah. somebody he trusts, he's going to put the ball up in there. That guy's going to go get it. That's exactly what Allen Robinson can provide for them. And going over the middle of the field, down the sideline, I mean, in every single capacity, I think that when you have a quarterback who's willing to be aggressive and who's a really good quarterback, pairing that with a guy like Allen Robinson, it, we're going to see a different version of Allen Robinson, I believe, than we've seen over the last few years because of that uptick in quarterback play for sure. And the third most contested catches since 2019, uh, according to PFF in the NFL, Allen Robinson. Big get for the Rams. We're excited about that. Let's move to the draft. Um, I know you guys, you and Nate just did your quarterback rankings earlier last week. Maze, it's not a great class, man. I got to be honest. I don't know what to expect with these guys. We were spoiled in these past couple of years, but the draft is cyclical. You know, you're going to get a lot of good guys one year, and it's going to be a little bit of a drop off the next. I've got a tough question for you. If you were a team that is, you know, dying to get a quarterback, you know, your Seahawks, your Falcons, may it be, um, you have to take a quarterback in the first round and you have to stake, you know, your first round pick on this. Who is the quarterback that you would trust the most in that first round scenario? 
I'm not a quarterback expert, and I my initial run through all of these guys, I would not want to take any of them in the first round. I, I just think there are too many question marks with every single one of them based on my untrained eye. If I had to take one, I think it would be Malik Willis because as I look at all the other quarterbacks in the league right now that I'd have to compete against, and I think about what that position has to do for you and the traits necessary for a guy at that position to really elevate your offense, to make plays that are not available based on the structure of the play, based on what the schematics of a given play give you. I just think he can do that. I think he has outlandish physical traits, and I think that that's what I would bet on when you look at the ceiling he would have compared to some of the other guys in this class, even if he's a little bit rough around the edges. Just the arm talent you see on tape. I mean, it's something you just can't teach. The mobility. I mean, he rushed for over a thousand yards at Liberty. He didn't have a lot of help there. So I'm excited to see what he can do. But he's the classic guy you want to put him on the bench for a year, develop, see what you've got in year two. I really like Malik Willis. I think he's my number one. There's other two guys that I really like uh, Carson Strong. I, I feel like if you're looking at third and fourth round, I think that's a guy that you could potentially look at. I'm going to reference PFF again, but he led college football in the most big time throws over the last two years, low turnover rate. Um, Like what he brings to the table, he's eerily similar to me to a Davis Mills type of guy, you know, injuries as well. Big body quarterback and throw it down the field. I think that's something like if you're not comfortable taking a quarterback in those first two rounds, you might be able to get him in the third or fourth. So Carson Strong should be an option there. And then the guy that I just kind of like from the, confidence standpoint and the arm talent too i know he ran a ton of rpos as you guys mentioned on your show but matt corral is a guy i really like um did you like what you saw from corral on tape or is there any areas you think he can improve on i mean it's hard to evaluate him i mean when you look at that offense it's just so hyper specific in what he's asked to do and when you watch him play it's like watching a shortstop turn a double play all the time i mean he's twitchy he can do that and his ability to kind of deliver the ball over the middle of the field and within that offense is impressive but it's so different than what he'd be asked to do in pretty much every single nfl offense outside of miami and i even think that was an outlier as it existed last year so i think there are absolutely things to talk yourself into with mackerel but i also just think that there's a lot there's a lot of question marks that come with somebody who played in that sort of system and what he was asked to do within that sort of system. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to see how those guys, you know, make the transition to the NFL moving forward. Top 10 picks. It's going to be interesting this year. New York giants have two in the top 10 as well as the New York jets biggest market we have in the country. What team are you looking forward uh, the most to seeing what they do in the top 10 uh, come NFL draft? I think the Giants, just because they have those two picks and it's a new regime, I think that which direction they go and the types of players they lean to, I always like trying to read into what we can learn about GMs in their first or second year by what their plan looks like. And I think that's exactly what the Giants are this year. Fascinated by what the Falcons are going to do. Do they draft a quarterback? Do they feel like they need to draft a quarterback? I I would encourage Terry Fontenot to understand his team is probably going to be very bad and they don't need a quarterback right now. They could absolutely have the number one pick in a draft next year with a lot of available quarterback options. And if they have an owner who's willing to endure a pretty rough season and understand that we're going to take our lumps this year on the field, in the media, in public with our fan base, 
we're going to restart this thing a year from now, I would encourage them to maybe press pause on that idea and just kind of endure this season and what it will look like. But and there are a lot of teams in the top. What's Seattle going to do? I mean, yeah. this this draft, you look back at last year, there was real certainty with some of those picks, right? I mean, the quarterback's obviously in the top three, and then what the, the rest of the top seven was going to look like. I mean, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, not that surprising. Uh, Penesul was not that surprising based on where he went. I mean, those are all picks we could understand in advance. Not a lot of that this year. Not a lot of certainty in who the top 10 picks even are. And I think that really adds to the intrigue about the first round in a way that we haven't seen in a little while. Yeah, it's going to be entertaining to say the least. I mean, I've seen Malik Willis mocked a couple times through Detroit at number two. I think that is an absolute reach if you're taking him at the second pick in the draft. Detroit's got many of holes. They got to address all those. But I think the first quarterback off the board for me personally, it could be either Atlanta or, you know, Seattle, like you were saying. Those teams are quarterback desperate. Mariota's a bridge quarterback. Drew Locke might be the worst bridge quarterback I can remember in recent years. So it's going to be tough to see kind of what figures out there. Um, Mace, I got to hear, you know, coming into the Bears draft room this year, you guys need help on offensive line. You guys let up 58 sacks last year. Need some receiver help. You lost Allen Robinson. Um you know, a lot of holes on defense, too, with Mac to party and things like that. If you were running the Bears, and I know you've thought about this many of times as a Bears fan, what direction would you go position-wise to help out the squad? Because you guys did take two offensive tackles last year in the second and fifth round in Jenkins and Barom. So where do you go with that? I think if there was a guy you liked at the position, I mean, in the second round, if we we're saying what holes do they need to fill, if I knew that this was the best player and he happened to play that position, it'd be receiver and offensive line. I mean, that, that's the first, the first two things that I would do. I don't know how the new regime views Larry Borum. I think that's going to be a big question, whether they think he can play. But you would assume Jenkins slots into one of those tackle spots. What's the other tackle spot going to look like, I think, is a totally reasonable question. And then receiver is just a wasteland. I mean, right now they have Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle, and that's it. Equiminius, St. Brown. I mean, they absolutely could use another pass catcher. So I don't know where that's going to come from. There are guys out there, like Jarvis Landry. You know, there are yeah. some players, Emmanuel Sanders. If you can get somebody on a one-year deal to just give an option to your quarterback, I think they should be open to that. But I think those are the two spots that I would roll, which is because I want to get as much information about Justin Fields as I can get over the next year. And I do think that in order to get a reasonable evaluation from him, he probably needs a little bit more help than what he has right now. And I want to follow that up with what are your thoughts on fields after one year, all the information we have now, he's still a prospect I really like. And I think it's, you kind of have to throw out the rookie year. I mean, you look back, Troy Aikman had one of the worst rookie years in the history of football. Peyton Manning broke the interception record as a rookie. You know, he turned out to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. Where, where are you feeling? Where's Bears Nation feeling about Justin Fields as we move into year two? You know, it's funny because I don't feel that differently about him than I did when he was a prospect. Just because the guy he was in college, he was in a lot of ways in Chicago where big arm, aggressive accuracy down the field. I mean, his ability to kind of make big time throws is undeniably impressive. But his internal clock is problematic at times. His tendency to hold on to the ball and hunt for big plays occasionally does him in. I think that overall his just pocket presence and feel 
and the timing that he plays with leaves something to be desired. So I think the big question with Justin Fields is those flashes we see, can the ratio shift where the flashes become more prevalent and the mistakes that are often driven by the way he approaches the, the position, his instincts, his feel for it, does that stuff start to subside? And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, this might just be who he is. He never gets a sense of that. And that stuff is more innate than we like to believe it is. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm going to do a kind of a bigger deep dive into what the rookie quarterbacks looked like here over the next couple months when we get out from under this ridiculous offseason that we've been enduring. But that's kind of my initial thought after watching him this year. Yeah, the talent is all there for him to succeed. I'm really excited to see how he progresses. You guys got a new head coach in Chicago, too. Matt Eberfluss uh, was a four-year defensive coordinator for the Colts, finished three of those four years in the top ten in scoring defense. Um, kind of just a throwback to those Bears teams that I really, you know, grew up on, so to speak. You know, the teams that I heard about from the 1980s, the tough-nosed defenses, the Singletaries, you know, um, just the, the, the great defenses of that era. Um, Eberfluss, you know, kind of a – Lunch pail type of guy was a all Mac linebacker uh, for Toledo back in college. How excited are you on Everfluss? I feel like this guy fits the Chicago narrative, at least that I know of for the identity of Chicago. I think that he's definitely appealing in a lot of different ways. And, you know, the attitude, hopefully they bring defensively is something that he preaches all the time. You know, their def- those defenses in Indianapolis played hard. At the very least, they played extremely hard. They were opportunistic. I mean, it reminds me in a lot of ways of, what they tried to be under Lovey Smith. I mean, it's similar, you know, four man front or one gap. I mean, that's a lot of zone. I mean, that's how they're going to play. So it's pretty familiar in terms of approach and the guys they need and all that stuff. I think I'm you know, a little bit weary of a defensive minded head coach in this day and age, especially with a young quarterback and what that ultimately ends up looking like with Luke Getze. And there are a lot of question marks, but uh, in terms of just his approach mindset, I mean, what he's going to get out of those guys, the feeling in the building, I'm bullish on that. All right. I've got two more questions for you. You've been so gracious with your time. Is this the deepest edge class you've ever seen? I know you haven't evaluated all the prospects yet, but in terms of depth, you know, they don't have that necessary blue chip, you know, pass rusher, your Miles Garrett, your Bozas, your Chase Youngs, whoever it may be. But it just seems like there's like eight, nine, ten dudes that will just be wrecking, you know, the NFL next year as edge rushers. Do you think this could potentially be a, a really big edge class? Yeah, I mean, especially when you compare it to last year. I mean, last year we didn't have an edge rusher go off the board in the top half of the first round. I think Jalen Phillips was the first one. Micah Parsons is obviously a, a unique case, but yeah. it, it really does feel like this is a, a swing back of the pendulum compared to what we saw a year ago, which is encouraging. I mean, if you're a team looking for edge help, this is the draft to find it. I mean, this is a high value position. I think it makes total sense where it fits historically. I'd have to look just to kind of you know, get a better sense of what other classes have looked like. But if we have you know, four or five of them in the top 12 picks, you know, that's something that, is an outlier compared to what we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah. I'm excited to see how it plays out. I mean, Bucky Brooks just had his mock draft. He had three edge rushers going with the first three picks. So it's going to be a deep class to say the least. Mays, the last question I got for you, I want to hear your Mount Rushmore of Chicago bears, not your, maybe not the best, but your favorites that you've oh, had man. as a fan, uh, your top four Chicago bear uh, players over your time period. Of my lifetime. Peanut Tillman is definitely on there. 
Peanut Punch, uh, man. Peanut Tillman was just a quintessential Chicago Bears player. I loved Peanut Tillman. I loved Matt Forte as a player. I thought Matt Forte He's was awesome. awesome. I mean, just so unique and just like that tall, like high-waisted running back was an excellent pass catcher. I loved watching Matt Forte play. Before he got hurt, Tommy Harris was a monster. Tommy That's Harris was an incredible throwback three technique. It was perfect for that era. Injuries really did his career in, but when he was younger, he was unbelievable. And I just love watching Lance Briggs play. Like Lance Briggs Great. was just a special player at that. Like again, very archetypal, prototypical will linebacker in that system. And just knifing through, I mean, so many tackles for loss, big tackle. I mean, think back, he had a tackle on fourth and one against the Seahawks in the divisional round. It went in the playoffs eventually when they went to play against the Packers in the NFC Championship game. It was just an unbelievable play. I mean, he just did that stuff all the time. So those four guys jumped to mind. I mean, there's so many. It's, I mean, Owen Kruitz was a fantastic player for a long time. Obviously, Urlacher. Brian Urlacher. Yeah. But I love Julius Peppers was only a bear yeah. for a few years, but I loved watching Julius Peppers when he was in Chicago. So I mean, it's a tough question. It's like asking me to choose between my kids. I mean, there's a lot of different, <laughs> I don't have any kids, but if I did, I would assume that it's about this tough to choosing between them. I'm glad you brought up Matt Forte too, because I feel like he's just kind of forgotten about is like a running back that for like three or four years, there was one of like the best running backs in football as an all purpose back. In terms he was catching like 80 passes a year back then. I mean, yeah. Matt Forte was unbelievable. Dude, such a fan of Forte and such a fan of you, Maze. You can check out all of his stuff at the Athletic Football Show. We're honored to have you here at LAFB Draft is in session. Uh, thank you for coming on, my man. Happy, happy to do it. Thank you for the time.